Good morning. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Christ Center Church, where Christ is our central focus. We're so excited that you decided to join us for our worship service here this morning. We pray that you will have an amazing and unforgettable experience with us today. We know that you were already greeted by one of our greeters before entering our sanctuary, and we know that you were greeted with a smile by one of our ushers before you took your seat. But if you so happen to have any questions about our service today or any information about our church, feel free to see one of our ushers or come back out to our foyer area with our greeters. And we'll give you the information that you're looking for. Any questions that you have, we'll be able to answer that. We're here to serve you, and we pray that you have a great experience with us today. Praise the Lord, everybody. My name is Josiah Scarlett, and I'm here to give you this month's announcements. We just want to remind you that Monday to Fridays, we have our morning connections from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. via Zoom. If you do not have the Zoom link, please feel free to reach out to one of our ushers or greeters, and we'll gladly provide you with a link. We also want to remind you that Wednesdays from 1230 to 130, we have our afternoon connections, and that's going to be here at the church. Feel free to come by during your lunch break and invite some of your co-workers, some of your friends, family members. We'd love to have anybody come, and we hope to see you there. Do you want to grow in the Word of God? If so, please join us Tuesday nights for our discipleship series that's held at 7.30 via Zoom. If you do not have the Zoom link, please feel free to reach out to our ushers and greeters, and we'll gladly assist you. Feel free to come join us before our morning worship service at 9 a.m. for Sunday school. From the ages 2 and up, there's a class just for you. We're starting this new year, 2024, off with a bang. Please join us Friday night for our first session of our second annual mental health workshop entitled Overcoming. Join us as we aim to have important conversations as it relates to mental health. This is an important topic that most times gets overlooked. Bring your notepads, questions, and together we will overcome. Join us the next day, Saturday, January 6th at 8 a.m. for our monthly prayer breakfast at the church. We will have light refreshments after, so there will be time of fellowship as well. 
After, please join us for our second session of our mental health workshop entitled Overcoming. We hope to see you there. January 11th to the 13th, save the date, we will have our district youth conference that will be held in Newark, New Jersey. If you have any questions as far as purchasing tickets, transportation, or any other questions, please feel free to reach out to Brother and Sister Hasker or any of our youth leaders. January 26, 7 p.m. Men, join us at Colonial for a night of fellowship. If you have any questions or if you need to RSVP, please reach out to Brother Daryl Parker and he will assist you. And these are the announcements for the month of January. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date. God bless.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, 
hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to welcome you all this morning to Christ in the church. I want to welcome our online viewers for just tuning in. And I want to make sure I tell you, please, get grounded in God. Don't just have your foot planted, but I want you to get rooted because you're going to be shaken. I got news. This came off of a vacation to standing in the airport to hearing that my brother's best friend, 47 years old, dropped it. He, my brother, called my dad's adopted grandson, my dad's adopted son, to tell him what happened. He's telling my brother, his 20-year-old baby is in the hospital because of an aneurysm. We do not know. We don't know what's going to happen in this service. We don't want to say, we'll start 2024. Now is the acceptable time. We don't know what's going to happen when we walk out of here. And I'm telling you, if I was not rooted in God, my mind, it's like I can't even pray. So this morning, I need you to help me. Because there's so much stuff, so much pain, so much questions, so much of everything, like, it's just happening to everybody. I can't even say it's me alone. It's happening to everybody where you're like, God, what is going on? But God is saying, get ready. Every time something like this happens, it's just, let me draw a little closer to the Lord. Because honestly, people, we don't know. We really don't know. This man had plans for tomorrow. This young 20-year-old had plans for tomorrow. We can make our plans, but we better make first make plans to be rooted and grounded in the Lord. So this morning, I know everybody has a prayer request. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands. And I want us to look around, and I just want us to begin to pray for one another. The young man in the hospital, his name is Keandre. If you could just put his name before the Lord, because neither one of them are saved. Neither one of them knew the Lord. And we know once we close our eyes one time, it, there's one day that's not going to open up again on this land. It's sad to say, but unless the Lord takes us, every one of our photos is going to be in an obituary. So I want us this morning to really pray. Pray, God, I want to draw closer to you. I want to know you. I want for myself, not for nobody else. Hallelujah, Lord, we come before you this morning. God, as humbly as we know how to do. Father, we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to you, the great King of Israel. We look to you, O merciful and great and wonderful Savior. You are the King of kings, and you are the Lord of lords. 
God, you are the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. God, you are the everything to us. And God, each and every moment, God, you keep giving us signs and awareness, oh, almighty God, of what's happening and what we need to do. And tonight, this morning, God, we ask that you forgive us. God, of any sin, of every iniquity, of anything, oh God, that is obstructing us from drawing closer to you, Lord. God, we want, almighty God, for you to remove the scales from our eyes so that we may see the vision that you have for us, Lord God. God, we know that you want us to be with you and we want to be with you, but we can't do it on our own, Lord. We want you to help us, oh Lord God. Lord, I pray for my people this morning, almighty God, that we will truly surrender to you, Lord God. We won't go expecting for tomorrow, God, because tomorrow is not promised to any one of us, Lord God. Let us not make a New Year's resolution for 2024, because now is the acceptable time to give my life to you, to dedicate myself to you. I give you all the glory this morning. I thank you for knowing who you are. But thank you for knowing that you are God. That in spite of you are the eternal Savior. You are the master. Lord, I pray this morning for Keandre, Lord God. As he lays in the hospital, Lord God. I pray that this opportunity, that he has another one, Lord God, to get to know you, Lord. That he would give his life to you. That he would know that it is you that has given him a second opportunity. Chris didn't get that opportunity, Lord God, but you're giving him another opportunity. Lord, I pray, almighty God, that he will open up his heart and his mind to receive you. Lord, I pray tonight, almighty God, for every sick in the body in here, almighty God, for every sick in the mind, oh Lord God, that you will construct our minds, almighty God, to be locked into you. We want you to order our steps, almighty Lord. We want you to order this service today, Lord God. We want you to order the men of God as he come forth to preach the word of the Lord. Lord, I pray that we won't hear, almighty God, and not do, but we will be hearing and doers of your word, oh Lord God. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for the people that are going to give their lives to you, Lord God. We thank you for the soul that's going to be saved. We thank you for the rededication, almighty God, in the name of Jesus. God, we did not come to play church this morning, but God, we came to give you the glory. God, we came to give you the honor. Come on, let's give him some glory this morning. Let's give him some honor. Let's lift him up. Let's let him know who he is. You are the king of glory. You are my savior. You are my Lord. You are my master. I bow before your throne, almighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless your name this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah.
somebody just worship them in the room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. You've given us that power. You've given us that authority. When I lift my hands and shout, walls come crashing down because of that same power. That same power. There's nothing left to prove. There's nothing left to prove. You really gave your life for me, Jesus. You gave your life for me. You gave us your power. You gave us your spirit. We have the authority. Somebody believe it. Somebody declare it in the room. Somebody lift up your voice. When I live, when I live.
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we love you this morning. this morning, just turn to your neighbor to your right or to your left and say, good to see you this morning. You can turn to the other person and say, good to see you this morning. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. All our guests that is there this morning for the first, second, and third time, any guests that is there this morning, we, we want to acknowledge you. We're going to ask you to stand if you're a guest for the first, second, or the third time. We're going to ask you to stand so that we can recognize you this morning. Amen. Amen. All our guests, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Anything that we can help you with your walk with the Lord, we're honored to have you here. This morning, we're so glad that you're here to worship the Lord with us this morning. It's not by coincidence that we're here this morning. God has brought us there. And if we look back, and we can start to count on, if you please. It was just last week we were getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And a few days later, we're getting ready to celebrate the new year. Sister Wyatt had mentioned earlier this morning... And, you know, I want to echo that so many times we take things for granted, thinking that we have it all together. Don't realize that the bread that we're breathing is the one that gave us the bread that we're breathing. The fact that we're here to wake up in the morning, that's more than enough to give Him thanks. And so many times we take things for granted. And don't realize that if it wasn't for his love, if it wasn't for his grace, if it wasn't for his mercy, if he didn't care for us, we wouldn't be here this morning. A lot of people didn't make it to see the ending of 2023. And we that are here this morning should be rejoicing. We should be running all over the sanctuary and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done in my life. I don't know about you, but in my life. If it wasn't for the love of Jesus Christ, I would not be here this morning. But I'm so grateful that God's been good to us. God's been good to my family. God's been, been good to all of us that are here this morning. And let's just not take it for granted. Make sure you take each other when you see each other. Just let them know how much you love them. You don't have to be your family for you to say, I love your brother or I love your sister. The person that is sitting beside you, you don't know what's going on in their body. You don't know that they're going to live to see tomorrow. But they're here today. The least you can say is, I love you. God bless you. But well, we're here this morning and we want to thank you for being here, worshiping the Lord with us. Amen. The Lord has been so good to us. Um, 
you know, we, we give him all the glory and all the honor because he's worthy to be praised. Amen. We're getting ready to receive our offering tonight. And as I want to quickly remind us, don't forget tonight, we'd like all of you that are here, plus invite your family and friend. We're going to have a great service tonight. We'd love to have you back to worship with us at 10 p.m. tonight to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. We'd love you to be here. So tell someone, our online congregation, we welcome you. Amen. We pray and hope that you can join us tonight. I know you're going to join us. If you're not here physically, you'll be here. Amen. Online. But we we better if you're here because it's a different feeling. Amen. I've been there. Man, I was listening to Brother Bradley. I wasn't here last week, but I was away on vacation. But I was listening to Brother preaching. Man, and I'm man. I said, that brother was just pouring out his heart. You know? And I said, man. I'm, I'm so grateful that we have men that, that can stand in the gap and preach the word of God. Don't stand the word of God. Listen, you got to know who you're living for, who you stand for, who you believe, and who you trust. And this time that we're living, you got to trust something. Amen. Make sure we keep our trust in the man that created us. Amen. Everyone say it's offering time. Come on, it's offering time. Give a good offering this morning. Be a blessing this morning. Remember, God, Lord, will bless you. You know, it's uh, 10% of your earning. So if the Lord bless you with $1,000 this morning, you want to give the whole $1,000, amen. The Lord will open door for you to get much more than that. Amen. So give a good offering this morning. Amen. To who much is given, much is required. The Lord bless you. The Lord open the door for you. We're going to invite you to stand with us as we get ready to receive our offering this morning. If you want to pay electronically, we have two ladies in the back there. They're waving their hand. So you can see the ladies back there. You can bring your electronic payment to them. If you want an envelope, we have three ushers in the aisle. You can reach out to one of them. I'm sure they will give you an envelope. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and pray as we pray. And you bring your tithes and offerings unto the Lord. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for what we have already felt in this place, oh God. As we are about to receive this morning offering, we ask your blessing upon every giver, Lord God. We ask you to bless every person that is here, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and financially. As we give back to you, Lord, talking of what you have blessed us with, Lord. We ask you to continue to open up doors for us, for this facility, Lord God. Continue to bless our pastors, our leaders, every family in this church, oh God. Use us like never before, and that we continue to be what you call us to be in this hour. We love you, we give you glory and honor. Continue to bless the remaining portion of the service as we say thanks for your blessing in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord amen
God is still good to us. Even when we think the situations that we face are just impossible to overcome, God is still good to us. The Bible says there is no one good except God. What we call good isn't up to His standards, for only God is good. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, Sunday, December the 31st, 2023. So much has transpired throughout this year, and here we are in the house of God. I am grateful to be here this morning. I am grateful to be here this morning. We could have been any place else, but we are in the house of God. And we thank God for allowing us to be here. It wasn't because of our own strength and abilities, but it was just God's goodness that got us here. I want to say thank you to all of you that's been faithful to this church. It's God's church, but we do it together, and I really appreciate doing church, doing God's will with all of you. I, I wouldn't want to be anyplace else because this is where God put me, and I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else except for those that God put me with. And these are little things that we take for granted sometimes that God has put us together and so we ought to just be grateful and be glad about it and treat each other like it is God's will that we are together. And so I'm glad to serve the Lord with you. Uh, Brother Tom reminded me that it was only one year and two days ago that we officially purchased this old property. I'm, I'm still amazed. I'm still amazed. And I think many are amazed. Many have come and they have said, okay, this is very nice. Because they think we just purchased this little area right here. I said, God, that's how good you are. That Those that don't know can't fathom it. But it's only because of the goodness of God. <laughs> it's only because nothing that we have done. Our money wasn't big enough, great enough. But God sees fit for us to be here. And so here we are celebrating one year of being here. And we look forward to many more. Uh, appreciate um, last week. We just had some great ministering by great men of God. Um, last Wednesday, Brother Calvin ministered. Thank you, Brother Cook. He really ministered. And if you don't understand the whole giving and receiving the flow is what he called it don't stop the flow and that flow is what how God established creation that he flows to us and we flow back to him it's a reciprocity thing and it started with God and us and everything else nature and all that God has done and so if you want to understand and learn more about um, the impact that giving can have on you and brother Calvin I want to tell you that was so transparent of you you, you put yourself in it, and that's when ministries start to happen. Um, a lot of us want to minister, but we don't go through anything. And if you don't go through anything, you don't have anything to share with anybody. 
so the, the, the moment you get involved in this, to be effective, you know, we like to cry the blues about all that we're going through and all that's wrong. But how about we just go through it and say, God, I thank you anyway, because this will be for your glory no matter what. There will come a time where you have to help somebody. And people will listen more intently when you have been there. Right, Brother Sam? Little Sammy. Little Sammy came and talked. I, I just appreciate stuff like that. That the young person will come and say, hey, Pastor, can I talk to you for a minute? And really want to talk. And I was just explaining to him of things that I've been through in my life growing up that it, the light turned on for him when I explained to him when I was younger some of the things that I've been through and, and how his situation is and how he can work through it. And the light went on and said, man, Pastor, if that happened to you, then I can do it. And you sure can do it, little Sam. You sure can do it. And so I thank God for that. I thank God for just, you know, what he's doing. But Brother, Brother Cook, great word last Wednesday. Uh, Brother Guthrie, great word last Sunday. We were in our hotel room getting dressed, getting ready to go on our vacation. And you just poured out your heart before the Lord. And that's, again, ministry. We can't have effective ministry if our life is not involved. This is why it's so kind of crazy for us to, you know, portray or pretend this great life on social media that we have. That's not helping anybody. Your great life don't help nobody. Now, some challenges and struggles that you've gone through and have overcome and been victorious, now that will help somebody. But posting how great life is on social media don't help anybody. That's all for you. That's so you can feel good. That's nothing to do with helping anybody. And so I appreciate uh, Brother Bradley pouring out his heart before us and Brother Henry on Wednesday ministering as he liked to minister. He loves the Word of God. He ministers the Word of God. I really appreciate those men, their families, and all of you because some of you I'm going to hopefully get you to minister this year. Uh, you don't understand what's in you. You don't understand what God wants to do through you. And I'm going to help you accomplish that because it's not my will. It's not even your will. It's God's will. And so we're here backing up and, you know, concerned about how is this possible. Or we get to the point where it says, ah, that's not for me. How do you know that's not for you? I'm about to help you this morning. So can I tell you this? The things that you worry about the most that you don't want to do, that's what you need to do. Because it's something that God puts in you. And it makes you nervous because you know you can't do it on your own. But that's why God put it there. Because God wants you to know who he is. That what you can't do on your own, he will help you to do it. And when you do do it, he will be able to get the glory from it. Because you knew you couldn't do it. But if you keep thinking that I can't do it, so I'm not going to do it, God will never get glory from your life. Because all you're going to do is what you're capable of. Well, if all you do is what you're capable of, God gets no glory. Because you did that all on your own account. But when you do something that you know, if God didn't step in and assist or help or work through me, this couldn't have happened. Then God gets the glory. And God wants to get the glory from every one of your lives. Not one person in here that God doesn't want to get the glory from your life by helping you to do things you could not do on your own. 
Let's stop thinking about just what we can do in our own power, you know, our own ability. We need to move past that because that get old after a while. Let's start tapping into the supernatural because we want God's glory to be revealed in the earth. So when we tell people about what God can do, they will believe us. Thank you, Jesus. Next Friday evening at 7.30, we have our second annual mental health seminar, Overcoming. Uh, we have three young ladies that have their degrees in that area of mental health. They're going to help us. would like for you to come and be a part of it. We start at 7.30 on Friday. If you come at 7, that will be great. 7 p.m. on Friday. And then Saturday morning at 10 a.m., I believe, we get started again. So we'd love for you to be a part of that mental health seminar. It will help you if you will come. Next Sunday, I believe that is January the 7th, that is our Christmas for Christ CFC offering date. So those of you that took an envelope with a dollar figure on it, children and all, Let's try to get them back next Sunday. Got my envelope. I'm still shaking in my boots. Got to pull all my resources together because I took a $500 envelope and I got to make it work. But I'm going to make it work. If I make a promise to God, I'm going to fulfill that promise because he never broke a promise that he made to me. So I'm not breaking a promise that I made to God. Bring your envelopes in next Sunday uh, for the Christmas of Christ offering and uh, we want God it's glory to be seen as we continue to share and spread the gospel throughout our region. Amen. If you will turn with me or get your Bibles, look on the screen and turn to Psalms 139 or look on it. It will show you 139 on the screen. God's got a word for every one of us in here today. There's a word from God for every one of us. And while we like to make plans for the coming new year, you don't want to make plans without hearing what I have to say today. Because none of your plans will mean anything if you don't listen to what I have to say today. This message is for every one of us. And every one of us need to hear what I have to say today. Because any plans that you make outside of not hearing what I have to say is going to be futile won't amount to anything. And so I want you to hear me loud and clear today because this word is for each and every one of us. I plan to help all of us, including myself, grow to a new level in Christ. We have to grow to a new level in Christ. Nothing stays the same. Everything grows. Everything matures, or it should. That's how God designed for everything to be. And for us to try to remain the same, that's not God's will for your life. You didn't stay the same age, the same maturity since you were born. Who's the same age and still at the same maturity since you were born? None of us. So why don't we challenge ourselves to see if we're doing that in God as well. Are we growing in the Lord? Are we maturing in the Lord? Are we better in the Lord? 
Or are we more effective in the Lord? Have we gone past some sinful things that used to take us over? They used to control us. Have we gone past them and say, that sin doesn't get me anymore? That, 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 that kind of word don't come out my mouth anymore. That kind of behavior is not my behavior anymore. Those are the things that we need to look at to say, are we growing? Are we maturing in God? Are we allowing God to take us where he needs to take us? Or we're just wondering, being like a chaff in the wind, blowing all over, no stability. Wherever the wind takes us, that's where we go. And also, your plans for what you want to accomplish in life. I believe I've said it many times, and I want to say it again, and I will continue to say it again. Whatever you want to accomplish in this life, professionally or community-wise, career-wise, I can tell you this. If you do it on your own, it will take longer and it will be harder than if you do it in Christ. God didn't call you to not have your effect on society, whatever that may be, career-wise or influence. He didn't say don't do that. But he needs you to do it in him and not in your own strength. And say in order to go forward and to have great impact and to make a difference, you can be a lawyer, but God must be first in your life. You can be a doctor, and God must be first. You can be an engineer, God must be first in your life. That's really what God wants from all of us. He's not telling us, don't be educated, don't accomplish great things. He is saying, do it in me and not in your own strength. That's what he's saying. And for some reason, we think that career-wise, professionally, we got to put God to the side to pursue that. Can you imagine if we pursued God in, a, in, a, in, in such a fervent way that while we're in college or in high school, that we are just doing it so fervently that the children, the young people around us are watching and they're being impacted as we're getting good grades, as we're working towards our degree. People are seeing God being in the center of our life and saying, my goodness, he always, she always get good grades. They just look like they're doing better than everybody else. And they see it's because God is in your life. Can you imagine the impact we will have in school when we're doing that? Or do we just want to look like everybody else? Act like everybody else? Study and struggle like everybody else? Get our degree like everybody else? With no difference. That's not who God called you to be. Psalms 139, verse number 1. You need to look at these things that I'm getting ready to share with you this morning. I can't. I cannot tell you how important it is. Oh Lord, Thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. God don't understand. Thou compassest my path. And my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. Lord have mercy. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand. 
upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Those are two questions. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Jump down to verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If we're going to go into the new year right, you need to hear what I have to say today. You should, already, you should have already heard something that makes you say, my God. And so today I want to talk to you on this topic. God knows us. Still, he loves us. God knows us. Still, he loves us. I don't know if you understand that. I don't know if you want to stand there and just realize some of the things that you have done, some things that's in your heart that's not right, some, some, some things that nobody knows about, secrets that only you and God may know and nobody else knows, your thoughts that is just evil and corrupt, what you think about things and people. It's all there in your heart. And nobody but you and God knows it. The things that you have done that society might deem you just defiled, no good. But still, he knows and he loves you. Jesus, will you let your word go forth this morning and impact the lives of your people that are here, those who have gathered together via the live stream that will hear it live today, see it live today, but even those that will view it another time. Will you allow the power of your spirit to penetrate wherever it must go, to move on the hearts of people that change will come even now. Father, so many of us are making declaration and plans to go into a new year, but God, until we understand who we are, who you are, what can we really do? What good is our plans, Almighty God, if we don't really understand who you are and who we are? What good is any plans that we make? They're all futile. They will not go far, very far. But God, I ask that you will help me to minister effectively. Help me to minister by the anointing and the power of your spirit. 
touch the hearing of your people today that they may hear what the Spirit is saying unto them, Lord God. Let none of us, Lord, walk out of here today without hearing and responding in faith and obedience to the Word of God that our 2024 will be greater than our 2023. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. You may be seated. When you read the Bible, it will show us and describe to us that when we sin, it's talking about us missing the mark, disobeying God, not doing what God wants us to do. That's what's called sin. So you can do something that society might declare that's good, but you can still sin against God. And so sin is to miss the mark. Sin is to disobey God. But I want to introduce this thought to you. Sin begins when we think that God is not for us. Sin begins when we think that God doesn't love us. Sin begins when we think that we do not matter to God. Sin begins when we think God is against us. If prayerlessness is the father of sin and faithlessness is the grandfather of sin, then the chief patriarch of all sin is lovelessness. And isn't that the seed of doubt sown in Eve's mind by the enemy? What do you think happened in the garden? The devil made Eve believe that God told her not to eat of the tree because he doesn't love her. Because he's trying to keep something from her. Young people, hear me this morning. When your parents tell you something that you should not do, please understand they're not trying to keep something from you just because they're trying to keep something from you. They're telling you that because it's what's best for you. And the same goes for God today that some of the things that the Word of God tells us not to do is not because God wants to be mean. It's not because God is withholding any good thing from us. It's because God wants to give us the very best. He knows what is best for us. What we think about, how we think, the interior World affects our exterior world. What's going on on the mind, on the inside of every one of us here today, it's affecting how you speak and how you behave. There's a mental challenge battle going on inside of every one of us, and that's why we behave, and that's why we speak the way we speak, depending on how the mental challenge, the mental battle is going on in our lives. Sometimes you wonder, why are they so attitude today? The mental battle is getting the best of them at that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. How we view ourselves, what we think about ourselves, affects who we are and how we live. I got to say that again. How we view ourselves. What we think about ourselves affects who we are and how we live. The psalmist explores so many thoughts as to how God sees and knows us. How God knows us intimately and still loves us. I don't know if parents will still love their children if they know all the thoughts that goes on in their children's mind. The psalmist express how we never escape God's sight. Even when you think nobody's looking, guess who's looking? He talks about how God has always got his eyes on us. Before our parents saw us, God saw us. Before we were born, he fashioned us. Before we lived our first day, he charted out the days of our lives. He knows us still. He loves us. The psalmist is filled with affirming thoughts, but we are filled with questions. Do we really know ourselves? That might sound simple, you might think you do, but I challenge you to go and check and kind of search your heart. Ask God to show you if you really know yourself. Do we really know ourselves? Do we grasp who we are? Is our self-worth tied to looking a certain way or accomplishing a certain thing? Uh Uh-huh. Is how we feel about ourselves dependent upon a certain wardrobe, standards of living. Whether we live in an upscale neighborhood or not, or whether we have the right friends or not. Does that decide who you are? We often fail to see the value of self-worth because we don't really know self-worth. And let me say this. Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. Sometimes we think too lowly of ourselves. So it's hard to really understand your self-worth. Again, that's why we need to go to the Lord. Dr. Phil, you all know him. A popular psychologist has written and spoken extensively about the authentic self and the fictional self. He says that when we are asked who we are, we most often respond with what we do. (laughs) Or we respond with where we live. Yet, we do not answer the question as to who we are. Our 
our self-defined life or fictional self is at war with who we really are, the authentic self. I just told you that. So how we're, we want people to see us is how we're projecting. And that's not who you are. You're, you're trying to project what you have defined as your life. You want people to see you the way you want them to see you. And all the while, your true, authentic self is not being seen. Because what you want people to see is just overshadowing everything about you. Our authentic self is who we are at the core. We are not defined by jobs. Functions, roles, social status, achievements, or possessions. That's not how we're defined. But certainly, it's unspoken. It's kind of how we're defined. Our authentic self is defined by our beliefs, our values, and our commitments. I'll say it again. Our authentic self is defined by our beliefs, our values, and our commitments. Whether they are, they are of God or they're not, that's what defines you. So what you believe, what you hold up as value, and what your commitments are, those are the things that says who you are. The reason many people feel incomplete, according to Dr. Phil, is that they are living in line with their fictional self, but have never tapped into their authentic life. Can you imagine me talking about a subject like this today when social media is the thing that that has gone crazy that we use to project who we are? And because we use social media to project who we are, we're selling things that we don't even have. We're projecting things that is not even us. It's so bad sometimes that uh, people are dating online. And the picture you put out there, the things that you say, when people finally meet you in person, they can't believe it. They want to run, but they can't run. Because you didn't sold them a hoax, saying you was this, you were that, you accomplished this. You're... And when they see you and hear how you talk, they're like, no, they did not. But yet and still, we're rolling with the punches. We're still allowing what people put on social media to make us depressed. We read what goes on on social media and says, Lord, I need a better life. Look at so-and-so. They doing so good. So-and-so projecting everything. So-and-so making it seem like they got it going on. You ready for this one? Some of us that are Christians, it seems like God talked to them all the time and he don't talk to me at all. Just saying. 
That's what social media tells you. And so now you get depressed because you're wondering, what's wrong with me? God is talking to so-and-so all the time. I barely hear God. Because we're living off of that projection. Here is an added element that was not addressed by Dr. Phil. We have Christ, those of us that have been born again of the water and of the spirit. We have Christ living on the inside of us. The Apostle Paul said, our life is entwined in the life of Christ. Our life is hidden in Christ. <laughs> Those are scriptures that we don't like. Because if our life is hidden in Christ, nobody's seeing you. <laughs> if our life is hidden in Christ... It means they see Christ and they don't see me. And we can't handle that because we want them to see us. Look at me. Look at me. And that's such a little statement. But it says so much. Because that's where our struggles are. A lot of them. A lot of our struggles are we want people to see what we want to project, and we don't want people to see Christ in us. We don't want people to see Christ in us because that's corny. That's not, that's not, that's not saying anything. That, that makes us the least of everybody. For believers, it is not simply a choice between a fictional life and authentic life. It is a choice between self-life and the Christ life. So for us, that says we are believers, Christians, born again. Our choice is not whether we live our own authentic life. Our choice is whether we live according to Christ for life in us, according to what Christ wants for us, or we live the way we want. That's the struggle. We're trying to live the way we want. We want to live how we feel. We want to do what we think. And Christ says, all that's going to do for you is just corrupt you. And get you coming crying back to me. Oh God help me. This is what Christ is dealing with. With us as people. You live according to how you want to live. And all you're going to do is end up coming to God crying. God help me. Because you're living the way you want. So it will just be a cycle. You do what you like. How you like. And what you feel like doing. You just do it and like enjoy it. But then it takes you down a place where you all of a sudden look around and realize it's a mess in my life. How do I get out of this? You go back crying to God and it's just a cycle. As opposed to just going with, going with what he said. Just live the life I have for you. And you won't just be in this cycle of coming back to me crying. Clean up my mess, Lord. Get me out of this, Lord. Deliver me from this, Lord. How are we going to move into 2024? Living the life we want or living the life that Christ has for us? Because the life you want is only going to put you in 
a revolving door cycle. It's not changing. It's not changing. Mankind has been, we've been on the earth for thousands of years. Same old, same old. Nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. And so we keep doing what we want to do. It's not going to lead us anyplace different than where we always end up without God, miserable, asking God help us. In order to live that life that Christ has for us, it starts with love. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You should love the, your neighbor as yourself. The Bible says on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Notice that Jesus said we are to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. This encompasses the inner man with all our thoughts and our emotion and perspectives. In the Old Testament rendering of this passage, the word might is used rather than mind. This might is in our mind. Our self-concept and self-awareness controls our outward behavior. For this reason, Peter said, we must gird up the loins of our mind. Paul said that our fight is not with flesh and blood, but we should take into captivity every thought that exalts itself against God. Every vain imagination, we need to take them captive and not let them rule over us. But you can only do that through the love and power of God. By loving God, we fulfill the first four commandments. There's ten commandments, in case you don't, didn't know, right? Ten commandments. The first four commandments you will fulfill by loving God. If you love God, you will fulfill the first four commandments without even having to worry about what the first, first four commandment says. By loving other people, your neighbor as yourself, we fulfill the other six commandments. You got that? So we might say the Ten Commandments are from back in the day. Okay. But watch it. It still is relevant today. Because when we obey the first four commandments, we are loving God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. And when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we fulfill the other six commandments. Loving God. And loving people. If people don't love themselves, they can't love others. You hear me? If people don't love themselves, they can't love others. This is why many relationships are in trouble. We are dealing with people. People are dealing with us. And we don't love ourselves. If people don't love themselves, they can't love God. 
God created you, and God says, good. And you're going to say you don't love yourself? You and God is at odds. Because you don't think the same way about yourself as God think about you. So you're, you're at odds, you and God. So if you don't love yourself, you can't love God. The hardest people to love are those who don't love themselves. Again, relationships are struggling because people don't love themselves. And that's a hard one to deal with. Because no matter how hard you try to love someone that don't love themselves, you will always be disappointed. Because they don't love themselves. And so how are you going to ever do anything to make them ever be satisfied? They don't love themselves. And if they don't love themselves, they don't love God. Hmm. We have to recognize how God views us. We really do. When God sees us, what does he see? God, when you see us, what do you see? Does he see an ugly duckling that he wants to turn into a swan? No, that's not how he sees us at all. He already sees the end from the beginning. Did you know that God created the end and then started working backwards? I know we're accustomed to start and keep working until we come to an end. Well, God started at the end and worked backwards to the beginning. The Lord Jesus sees us through the eyes of faith and through the eyes of love. (laughs) He sees us through the washing of his blood. He sees us as righteous Ness according to his righteousness and not according to our righteousness. He sees something beautiful when he sees us. How dare us see ourselves anything else or any less. Watch this. God knows us. Still he loves us. God is aware of me. He knows my every move. He knows when I get up. He knows when I lay down. He knows when I'm about, what I'm about to say. He hems me in on every side. He lays his hand on me. We are not statistics to God. We are not numbers to God. We are his delight. We are his children. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the numbers of our hairs by number, the hairs on our head by number. He captures our tears. He stores them. He watches over us. God knows us. Still, he loves us. Listen to me. The Lord is available to every one of us. I want this to get through to you. I don't care what you have done. According to man, the greatest apostle is the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul, of all the apostles, was the person, before he became converted, going around, wanting to kill Christians. So if you kill somebody, 
God still loves you. I got, I got to get to the worst place. But because sometimes we think that you don't understand how bad it's been, what I've done. If you have killed somebody, if you have mistreated children, if you have mistreated women, if you have stole, if you have done anything that would be considered the lowest of the lows or the worst of the worst, I'm here to tell you this morning, God knows and he still loves you. You better not forget that. And because God knows and he still loves you, he is available to you. You have not done anything for God to say, "Mm, done with you. That's it. I'm done. I've reached my wit's end with you. Nope, nope, nope. Sorry. No. The last thing that you will experience before you get out of this world is grace. And grace is what allow us to be saved. And so if that's the last thing you get to experience, that tells you about the love of God. I'm not talking about, because some of y'all might be getting this mixed up. I'm not talking about grace meaning you're about to die and you're on your deathbed and you've never been born again. You've never, uh, you know, repented of your sins, baptized in Jesus' name. You don't have his spirit and all that. And all you're going to do is lay on the bed and say, God, I believe you now. Save me before I die. And then you die and then you're saved. I'm not talking about that. That don't work. That don't work. So don't get me, don't get it all twisted. I'm just telling you, grace is what God extends to us to give us the opportunity to be saved. That's what grace is about, that God extends to us an opportunity for us to get right. And he doesn't have to do it because the amount of times we have done wrong, the amount of times we have turned our backs on him, the amount of times we have neglected him, neglected him, disobeyed him, he don't have to extend grace to any one of us, but he still does. That's what grace is all about that we're not understanding. That God is extending an opportunity to us for us to get right. And he doesn't have to. Because from the very moment we sinned, we were on the wrong side of God. Jesus promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. In every situation, he is there. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not telling you this is good. But I'm telling you to show you how God operates. I know a pastor today, he's still pastoring today, that he struggled with homosexual tendencies. And he decided one day he was going to go to a bar where homosexuals go to. And he went in the bar and he was hanging out in a homosexual bar drinking his liquor. And the Lord spoke to him in the bar and says, you know you don't belong here. Get out. In the bar. You know you don't belong in here. Get out. He's still pastoring today because of that incident. Because he did not stop to realize that God loved him no matter what he had gone through. 
He gave up on God and decided, God, there's no way you love me and allowed this to happen in my life and allowed that to happen in my life. There's no way you love me, God. So he decided he's going to go full-fledged and do whatever he wanted. And God came to that bar that night and says, you don't belong here. Get out of this bar. You think you can do something or go someplace where God can't reach you? I'm not telling you to go do something bad and say, God, if you, God, come reach me. I'm just telling you there's no place you can go where God is not available to you. I'm just telling you, no matter what you have done, God can reach you. God is available to you. He's available to you. All you have to do is sincerely go and talk to him. You don't have to pray no fancy prayer. You don't have to know how to talk in tongues. Just go to God sincerely and say, God, you are available to me. Help me. But you can't ask God for help and still want to do what you want. We can't ask God to help us and then say, but this is what I want for you to do, God. How much sense does that make that you had to go to God and ask God to help you? And when God is ready to help you, you're going to coach him up how to help you. How does that work? We can't coach God up to tell him how to help us. We need God's help because we don't know how to help ourselves. So we can't coach him up. So when God tells us what to do, we ought to do it. We take this for granted here in the Northeast, coming together to a church service. We take it for granted. You know why we take it for granted? Because when God uses vessel, me or anybody else that stands behind the sacred desk, whenever God uses vessel to speak to us, we don't do it. So after a while, all we do is come in here, listen to the word and leave out and we never obey it. And then we say, God, not helping us. You better read your Bible. I remember Naaman the king. Naaman had leprosy. And he had a maid that worked in his house. A maid. God didn't send one of his rich buddies. God didn't send another king to tell him nothing. God used a little maid that was in his house and told him, boss, I'm sure that's what she said, boss or Lord, you know what? I know that you've just frustrated and hurting about this leprosy. Listen, God's got a prophet named Elijah. If you will go to him, he will tell you how to be healed. And finally, he decided he's going to listen to the maid, the big boss, listen to the maid. Finally, he decided he's going to listen to the maid. So he went down to the prophet's house. Prophet, I'm the king. I'm here. I heard you can heal me from this leprosy. The prophet didn't even come out. The prophet told his servant, tell the king, go dip seven times in the Jordan and his leprosy will be gone. The king, I am not coming back down to this house. He could not even have the decency to come out himself. He sent this flunky to tell me how to get healed. I ain't coming back here. So he left. Went back home. Leprosy. Leprosy didn't go nowhere. Leprosy was still on him. And when leprosy was eating him up, he decided, "Ah, gotta swallow that pride. Let me go back down. <laughs> Let me go back down. Told him the same thing. Nothing changed. You see how God worked? We want God to tell us something different. Nothing changed. 
go dip in the Jordan seven times and your leprosy will be gone. He went and dipped in the dirty Jordan River seven times. When he came up the seven times, leprosy was gone. We hear God speaking to us by using his maid, his servant. We, we ain't even got to put ourselves in prophet status. If you know the story, the maid first, then the servant of the prophet was who the king spoke to. He never spoke to the prophet. And y'all want to get the prophet. I'm not telling you I'm not a prophet because God can use me that way if he wants. I'm not telling you that's not. I am just saying we just want it our way all the time. We want it to be just the way it's supposed to be in order to see the changes. And God is saying, who do you think you are? Do you understand that I'm God? I'm the one that worked the miracles. I'm the one that makes the changes. I'm the one that sets everything in order. And so if you need a change in your life, it's only going to happen the way I said. And so we come in every Sunday. We come in every Wednesday. And the man of God or the woman of God speaks from God's word and tell us. And we walk out and say, okay, that was good, but we never did anything about it. And we're wondering when are we going to see changes in our life. The word of God says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and to not harm you. Plans to give you hope and give you a future. His thoughts toward us are great and they are precious. God knows you. Still, he loves you. That passage of scripture in Psalms 139 ends the same way it began. He said, search me, O Lord, for you know me. Man, I love that. It's kind of crazy how we can, like, not even say all of what's in our heart to God. Like God don't know all of what's in our heart. The people will tell you this. I don't know if they will touch on this Friday and Saturday. But when you speak out loud, it's therapy. Why do you think people go to therapists sometimes? A lot of times in this day and age, therapists don't really help you the way you think they need to help you. Therapists don't tell you what to do. Let me say it that way. Good therapists listen to you and just kind of recite back to you what you said. Because most of us just need somebody to hear us. Oh, God, help us. And so most of the time, that's really what's going on. We just want to say something and for somebody to just listen to us. Well, why don't you do that with God? I am not telling you therapist is not good. I'm just telling you the ultimate is just talking and let God hear you and you hear yourself. That's all I'm saying. And maybe if we'll start praying like that, we will see some changes in our life. Because a lot of us think that we got to pray this eloquent prayer that some, some prayer we heard that, you know, other peoples are praying and we're like, man, they sound like how you're supposed to pray. Well, how we know how it's supposed to sound? When in Matthew, the disciples asked Jesus, teach me how to pray. And that didn't sound like that. 
So why do we think our prayer needs to sound eloquent like so-and-so and so-and-so when all we need to be saying is, God, how did I get here? I don't like how this feels. I'm frustrated. My relationship is not working the way I wanted to work. I thought it was supposed to be this way. God, what's going on? Why, why am I going through all of this? I know, God, that you're allowing it, so it must be for something. But, God, do you care to share with me what's really going on? Because I really want to know what's going on. Because I am just overwhelmed. I am just consumed. Can you help me, Lord? You, you, you don't have to pray no eloquent prayer. These are some of the things that are stopping us from being good Christians. Because we think it, it's supposed to look a certain way. Again, I thought we'd deal with the real you. Not what you have seen other people do, but the real you. Let me bring this to a close. Search me, O Lord, for you know me. I don't want to think the wrong things, Lord. Test me. Look at my anxious thoughts, Lord. If there is any way of thinking in me, that's offensive to you. Take it out of me, please. That, that wasn't no eloquent prayer. Go back and read it. That wasn't no eloquent prayer because that's how you break it down. Lord, this is why he says, try me. The whole try me is show me what is messed up about me. Because we don't want to know what's messed up about us. But the truth is, just take it in stride. First of all, God knows you and he still loves you. Secondly is, all of us has got mess. So you don't have to feel terrible because of your mess. Because everybody got mess. So when you go to God, it doesn't make sense for you to get all, man, I don't even want to say that. Say it. We all got it in different ways. Say it. Stop playing games with yourself. Don't project with God. I know we have a, we're accustomed to projecting with people. Stop projecting with God and get God's truth about yourself. You know me perfectly, Lord. Still, you love me. You accepted me when I felt unacceptable. I cried many times. This is me. I cry many times as the Spirit of God move on me because I realize I'm unworthy, but he still treat me like I'm worthy. I cry every time I think about that. Maybe you feel like you're worthy, so that's why you feel good about it. But every time I think of how unworthy I am and God still makes me feel worthy, I am just in awe, and I don't even have words after that. I just cry, 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 because it, it, to me, I don't understand it, how he can feel the way that he feels about me, just the same with you, and, and, and know all of what I've done, all my flaws, know some of the things I will do that's not good, and he still treats me like I'm worthy. In the closing of Psalms 139, the psalmist prays the same prayer he did at the beginning. Search me. Search my heart. Don't let me think the wrong way, Lord. Help me to see myself as you see me. Now that's it right there. Because God knows you and he knows all of your mess. 
but he still sees your ending. <laughs> That's how he sees you. He sees your ending. He sees that, that, that you're going to be spending eternity with him. He sees how you will live the glorious life that he has for you. He sees your ending and he treats you as such. He doesn't treat you as you and I see ourselves. Oof. Make me, O oh Lord, into the image that you see. Help me to grow even more acceptable in your sight. I'm finishing up here. Here is what we ought to do. As we're going into this new year, you heard everything I've said. But here is, here, here's how I want to close this thing out. Allow God's view of you to become your view of yourself. Allow God's view of you, how God sees you, to become your view of yourself. You don't want to view yourself like you view yourself. You don't want to view yourself like anybody views you. You want to view yourself as God views you. We couldn't and wouldn't love him unless he first loved us. Think his thoughts. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. A lowly mind that never thinks higher than we should, but also a truthful mind that never thinks lowlier than we should. Recognize that the notions you have carried about yourself came from everyone else but God. All of how you have gone about your life, it came from somebody else, even yourself, but it didn't come from God. I don't know who is in here today that have been carrying themselves the way God sees them. I believe many of us have been carrying ourselves the way people have seen us, how people have judged us, and how people have projected us, and we've taken it all on, and that's how we're living our life, according to what people have projected on us. Including ourselves. And we're not seeing ourselves as God sees us. In, in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. The scripture says. Now. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. But we all. With open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit, if we allow him, he will change us. The Holy Ghost brings liberty. The Holy Ghost frees us from debilitating concepts. The Holy Ghost frees us from the opinion of others. The Holy Ghost changes us. We're still seeking the change. We're still wanting to see our lives better. But we won't allow God's Spirit to do it. You are the apple of God's eye. 
You are worth the blood he shed at Calvary. When we think about it, we cry and say, my God, you shed your blood for me. And he said, yes, I did, because you were worth it. You were worth my blood. You were worth my suffering. You were worth my pain. You were worth the humiliation that I went through. You were worth it. And that's why I did it. How can you see yourself any less than how you're supposed to see yourself when he has shown you you were worth it? That's why he did it. He didn't do it because you weren't worth it. He didn't do it just to be doing it. He did it because you were worth it. Allow the Spirit of the Lord to help you in seeing yourself. As God sees you. The knowledge of God's attributes must bring great peace into our lives. Just knowing how God thinks of you, just knowing how God sees you, should bring great peace in your life. His comprehensive knowledge, his personal presence, and his absolute power are all working for the welfare of his people. You have to see yourself how God sees you. You have to live the way God sees you. If we're going to move into 2024 and be better, be greater, and accomplish more is going to be on this premise. How God sees you, you need to see yourself. Not like anybody else sees you. Not even the way you see yourself. You're going to have to rethink how you have been behaving, how you've been carrying yourself, how you've been living. You're going to have to reorganize those thoughts or even get rid of those thoughts, period, and say, God, I am so sorry. Forgive me. Those are things that we don't even realize that we need to repent about. We need to repent of how we've been seeing ourselves, how we've been living, because you have made what God has created and called beautiful. You have treated it like it was not. You have treated it like it's something just not good. When God says, you are the most precious thing that I ever made. You are the most wonderful thing that I've ever made. And now you see yourself. How? That's repentance. We need, we need to go repent about those things for thinking that we're any less than what God says that we are. Let's stand. I believe 2024 will be greater, much greater. It will be better, much better than what 2023 is or was. But... The only way that will happen is if you see yourself the way God sees you and you begin to live your life in the way God sees you. You can't live beneath who you're supposed to be and expect for anything to be any different in the coming year. This, if you see yourself the same way, if you live the same way, if you act the same way, 2023 is going to be the same or worse. So to claim better 
are greater for 2024 without you seeing yourself the way God sees you, it's all going to be futile. We're supposed to be so excited about our future in Christ because we know what he thinks of us. We know what he thinks of us. He knows us and still he loves us. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Because we know what we see of our children and we love them. But, but. Our children be doing sneaky stuff that we don't see. And if we see, see them do it, we will just lose it. Because in our mind, that can't be my child. Yeah, that's your child. Because we all messed up. And we all need Jesus. So if you can see all the secret things that your child have done or your children have done, you would be livid. You probably will try to disown them. I was telling somebody, I was down in Jamaica the other day telling somebody that my poor mother, some of the stuff, I was talking to um, um, Brother Jones' nephew, Sister Jones' nephew, a policeman down in Jamaica. And I was telling him, I said, my poor mother, she thought she knew her son, that I was okay, wasn't too bad. And through me being here and some of the stuff that I preached, she hearing it for the first time. She talked to me later on the next day, Wayne, you did that? I sure did. Because we don't know everything about our children. If we knew everything about them, I don't know how we would feel about them. We would probably tolerate them, but I don't know if they would be our apple of our eye if we knew everything about them. But God knows everything about you. The hair on your heads, he knows them by number. He knows your thoughts before you get them. He knows every wrong thing you have ever done, every wrong thing you will ever do, and he still loves you. That's why he went to the cross, because he said, no matter what you have done, I still love you. that wonderful this is why some people tell you the Bible is a love story because only the love of God would treat us like this no other love your love my love not sufficient only the love of God would treat us the way that God has treated us and so please don't miss the message today that if you will see yourself the way God sees you. Psalms 139. Read the entire chapter. Don't get rid of Psalms 139. Don't just leave it at today's service. Read it tonight. Read it when you wake up tomorrow. Read it throughout the year because God loves you even though he knows you oh so intimately. Anybody love the Lord? God is good. God is good. Can we just lift our hands and just worship him and thank him for his goodness? Will you lift your hands all over this sanctuary and just appreciate God and thank him because you know that you don't deserve his love?
You don't deserve his kindness. You don't deserve just the just the for him to have the thoughts and the plans that he has for your life. You don't have you don't deserve those things. I don't deserve those things. But yet and still, he still has great thoughts toward us. He still has great plans for us. He sees our ending. And he is not worried about where we are today. He's not worried about how we are today. He's saying, I see your ending and your future is bright. Your future is just right. I have a great plan for you. And if you will trust me. If you're here today and you've never surrendered, truly surrendered your life to the Lord, you have not repented of your sins and baptized in his name, what better way to step into a new year than being born again of the water of the Spirit? The water is ready. It's ready. The water washes away your sin. The water functions as the blood of Jesus Christ. That blood he shed, shed on Calvary, we can't bring it here now, but the water is a symbol of that blood that was shed for all of us at Calvary. And when we go down to that water, it cleanses our sins. And no more will our sins be on us anymore. We have been cleansed. He will baptize us with his spirit. His spirit moves us. His spirit is what changes us. His spirit is what makes us into that new person. You will hear a whole lot of preaching moving forward about 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's true. But you better see yourself how God sees you. Because the old thing will creep back. You can become brand new. The old thing will creep back if you don't see yourself the way he sees you. Father, I love you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, almighty God, for just being so good to us. Lord, as you bring this year to a close and allow us to come into this new year, to enter this new year, all we can really say is that we thank you. For none of us in here, Lord, deserve to step into this new year. So many people did not make it into the new year. And only you know why, God. We don't know why. We don't know what to say about it. But what we do know is, God, you're allowing us to step into this new year. God, we want to see ourselves the way you see us. Because, God, there's something about how you see us. And the way we're going to make it, Lord. The way we're going to overcome our flaws and our mistakes and the errors of our ways. The only way we're going to be able to do it is by understanding that you see us the way you will finish in our life. How our life will finish in you. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you today, Almighty God. (laughs) I thank you today, Almighty God. For your word, for giving us direction, for giving us guidance, for giving us, Lord God, the path that we need to go down in order, Lord God, to be greater in 2024, in order to be better 2024. Oh God, I thank you today.
I know if you hear what I said today, 2024 will be better than 2023. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, getting better and better and better. But for some of you, we'd love for you to join us tonight at 10 o'clock. We're having what we call watch night service. The church did that for many years ago. And while it might be tradition, that's a tradition I don't want to let go. I know in this day and age, there's some people that they come to, they have church in the day and they say, that's good. And they stay home with their family. And that's great. But you know what I'm not going to be? I'm going to be a hypocrite. I'm talking about me now. This has nothing to do with you. I didn't call you a hypocrite. When I was not saved, you think of all the exotic places in the world. And I was there for New Year's Eve. And so I brought New Year's Eve in, what they like to say back in our day, with a bang. And so that was my life. And so I will not ever do any less for God than I did with the devil and for myself. That's why I will continue to say, let me bring the new year in with a bang with Jesus. Because when I was a sinner, I brought it in with a bang as a sinner. I'm not worried about, some people say, drivers are crazy out there. Listen, I got to 55 years old and for 26 of those years, 25, 25 of those years, I was in the streets. As a matter of fact, as God was drawing me closer to him, you know what I did? I came to church at 11.55. Wait for the pastor to pray. And when the pastor prayed, I said, Yes. Every bad that I will do, it will be blessed. That's what I said. I don't know what you said. I just felt like if I did bad, it was going to be fine because I was in church at 12.01. But now, let's get it on. Who got the Hennessy? Who got the Cabossier? Who got the Guinness? Who got the Heineken? You go on and on and on. That's where we were going. That's the life I used to live. So if you don't think I'm going to be in the house of the Lord now, eating some breakfast, sipping on some good coffee, talking to y'all, reminiscing with y'all, you're crazy. I'm going to be right here at 9.30 tonight. I'll be here. And the rest of you that want to come join me, come on and join me. I feel like I told Brother Calvin this morning, I said, I feel like this is the time where we finally get to feel the true ownership of our property. Nobody will be around here tonight but us. Because this, this is ours. God gave us this. And so we can just be, this is all us. Park where you want to park. Hang out in the parking lot, good weather, whatever you want. This is ours. This is ours. I didn't say this was mine. What did I say? Because if the Lord tarry, I'll be gone one day. Y'all have a new pastor. I love y'all. Have a great rest of your day. If you need to go take a nap to meet me back here at 10, go take a nap. God bless you.
Have a great rest of your day. If you want to get baptized, come see me. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name. I love you. Happy New Year. Thank <laughs> you.